Matthew's Gospel, the 12th chapter, and the 22nd through the 29th verse. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him, so that the mute man spoke and saw. All the crowds were amazed and were saying, This man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man casts out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I, by Beelzebub, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? Last Sunday, I presented the disturbing fact that most American Christians do not believe that Satan or the Holy Spirit exists. Yet, despite that disturbing fact, we were clear that as far as the Bible is concerned, and as far as Jesus in particular is concerned, Satan and his demons were taken very seriously. I made the emphatic declaration that Satan is real, that his demons are real, and that if they were not real, then Christ's work on Calvary's cross was an unnecessary act. And we as Christians are a people most worthy of being pitied. I also mentioned last week that demons are fallen angels. And, and since Satan is not omnipresent, meaning he cannot be in multiple places at the same time, his demons, however, they are all over the place, creating havoc and causing disruptions and interference in our lives with their many personalities and differences in power and with their wickedness. But to really deal with the issue of demonic interference in our lives, we needed to understand first how spirits get in us. Secondly, we needed to know if we have spirits. And third, if we have them, how in the world do we get rid of them? So... Suffice it to say, demonic spirits are real. I told you last week also, and this is just a quick recap, that the ways they get in is, number one, through invitation. Through invitation. This is where a, a, a person, through an act of their own will, simply asks the spirit, the demonic spirit, to come and take up residence within their soul. This is a conscious act. Or persons unwillingly participating in things like horoscopes and Ouija boards and palm reading and tarot card reading and all of these things, seances and witchcraft stuff and fortune, all of these things seem innocent enough. 
but unconsciously you're opening up doorways into your soul that you have no idea what you're bringing into your very lives. So by invitation, whether consciously or unconsciously, demons have a way of getting in. The second way that we talked about was that someone in authority could have spoken over you. Many of us experienced this as children growing up. Parents, grandparents, godparents, uncles and aunts who would tell you things like you are nothing, you'll, you, you'll amount to nothing or you're a good for nothing like etc. etc. You fill in the blanks. In these ways, they, they've weakened our souls and it has now created legal right for demons to believe that they can come in and create all kinds of chaos in your lives. When you hold on to anger and bitterness and all of these things long enough, then what you have done is you have given them legal authority to, take, to run rampant in your souls. The third way we talked about how demons get in is through inheritance. We know this as generational curses. The, the sins of the fathers are now being visited on the children of the third and the fourth generations. You don't know that sometimes your challenge with alcoholism or any of these other things really is coming from those who were before you. And especially in the African American community where we don't always know who our forefathers are. We are carrying things around that have been spoken over us and that is a part of our deal and we just pass it off as that's just the way they are. Meanwhile, we are perpetuating generational curses. And the fourth and final way that I mentioned last week was that through actual cursing, and this is where people get involved in things like witchcraft and, 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 and voodoo and all these things where they try to put these things upon us. But brothers and sisters, let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. Whether it's through invitation or whether it's through someone in authority, or even whether it's through inheritance or cursing, there is nothing that God has not already resolved in your life. Be clear about this one thing, that no matter how the spirits try, God still has the final say. So all of this we talked about last week. And so today I'll conclude my message as we talk about not, we spoke about how they got in. Now we're going to talk about how you know you got them and how you get rid of them. And so today, our message is simply titled, The Spirit of God. So Satan is real. Satan is real. And like I said, whether it's by invitation, by someone in authority, by inheritance, or by cursing, we have allowed the enemy of our souls to come in with our permission. And whether you believe in them or not, doesn't change the fact that they do, in fact, exist. I've never seen the wind, but I'm sure it exists because I can see the effects that it has on the trees and everything around us. So, in the same way, belief in spirits and the supernatural world is not a prerequisite to their reality. And the scriptures tells us that the things that are unseen are, in fact, greater than the things that do appear. So let's just be very clear. Demonic spirits are real, they are everywhere, but what they do need is a physical body in order to do their destructive work. In short, they need you. So how do we know we've been demonized? How do we know? Well, the first thing you need to remember is 
Not because you have sometimes a negative thought in your mind or that you even harbor these things for a while does not necessarily mean you have a demon. Many of us, we believe that lie sometimes, that just because something pops up in your head, it means you have a demon. Listen, let me be very honest. I remember one time I was driving down the Springbrook Parkway, minding my own business, and I'm looking at the beautiful water. And one time I heard, just drive into it. I was like, what? Now, where did that come from? Now, the devil would have you think that that's your own thought, and then you can walk away with your own self-condemnation. When all the devil has to do is to introduce doubt or a suggestion to you, and before you know it, you latch on to it, believing that it is your own. So not because you may have a thought that it makes you uncomfortable does it mean you have a demon. I'm speaking to your spirits, because without knowledge, our people perish. So they want you to hold on to these negative thoughts, thinking that it's coming from you. They are, be clear, deceivers. If they can make you truly believe something that is not true, then they don't need to keep harassing you. They will leave you to do that all by yourself. Jesus said, when I come, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ and you are condemning yourself, know this to be true, that it's not coming from you. It's coming from the accuser of the brethren. And if you don't know the difference between the voice of God, the voice of the serpent, and your own, then you are in more trouble than you know sitting here in this church. If you know anything about rats, they're attracted to places where garbage and trash pile up. Once you discover that you've got rats, what people, most people try to do is to get rid of the rats. But the rats is not the problem. The garbage is the problem. And so what you need to know, my brothers and sisters, you want to get rid of the rats in your soul, you get rid of the garbage. And when I talk about the garbage, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the things that you've held on to, unforgiveness, the stuff that you've allowed to pile up in your soul, the anger that you have for something that they're not even thinking about, but you're holding on to it. You are, you are accumulating enough garbage that allows the rats to come and to have feast day in your souls. You want to get rid of the rats. Don't set rat traps. Get rid of the garbage. Now, now, demons, their names are sometimes related to their functions. The names of most demons are often the names of emotions. Oh yes, you're going to learn something today. <laughs> demons also tend to travel in clusters. They never travel one, 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 one. Remember when Jesus went, went, met the man who had demons and he asked him his name? What did the man say? We are legion. Why? For we are many. So the truth of the matter is demons travel in clusters and in packs. Nine times out of ten you see one rat in your house, you probably have more. They travel in clusters. And demons, as they travel in clusters, they usually have a, what I would call, a head rat. Or the lead demon that brings all the others along. The Bible tells us that when the house was swept clean and the demons was cast out of the man, you got to be careful that the house not remain in a, just a clean state. Because the demon searches around for places that he may inhabit. And when he comes back, and find a house that he once inhabited clean. 
He does what? Brings many more. And the state of the person was worse than the first time. So what you need to understand is they travel in clusters. And that's what happens. Now, now again, you can't defeat a foe you don't believe in or you don't understand. No one goes to war with an enemy that does not first figure out how the enemy works. So it's important that you understand, and all I'm doing is laying this foundation so that you understand. Now let me give you an example of a, a head demon and their followers. Death is a head demon. Yes. And it's a group of demons. Now hear me, church, this is going to be hard stuff, but you got to get it. Its followers include suicide and murder. So if someone is contemplating suicide or murder, those are only two of the demons that are being led by the head demon called death. And death is a major powerful demon. So when Jesus was on the cross, as Isaiah tells us, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he defeated both death hell and the grave. In other words, the, the Bible is letting you know that it doesn't matter how big your head demon thinks it is, it has no power to overcome that which Christ has already done. you got to understand it. Again, our people perish from a lack of understanding. You think because you have this thought that you can't do anything about it, but all you need to do is to plead the blood and the name of Jesus. For the Bible tells me that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he is Lord over all. But now you all don't seem like you all are convinced. So let me give you a few more head demons and their followers. And maybe you might hear one that's tormenting you now. Unforgiveness is the lead demon for anger, bitterness, and resentment. You see, when unforgiveness comes, he brings with him or her anger, resentment, bitterness. So when you're feeling anger, bitterness, Resentment in your soul. You are just merely playing around with the group. But the root is the head, which is unforgiveness. And if you get rid of the head, everything goes along with it. You see, in pastoral counseling, sometimes someone is saying, I just feel bitterness towards someone. And the pastor, let me pray for your, let me pray bitterness out of you. Meanwhile, you walk away, you feel good for the moment. But then you walk down the street and all of a sudden, resentment steps in. Why? Because you pray for this little demon, but the head demon says, come back. Because you haven't gotten rid of the source. Let me give you a few more. I can't go into all of them, but just a few more. Criticism is a head demon. And it leads condemnation, judgmentalism, and fault finding. Oh, yeah. You may think that you're just being critical over what people do. But sometimes you're being influenced by the judgmental, self-righteous, and condemnating spirit that is creating havoc within your soul. You see, the problem is sometimes we think that we're doing this. And the worst thing about these things is that we do them thinking that we're doing the work of the Lord. Jesus says there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes when we have a critical spirit, we must be careful because what is really happening is that the demon thinks it can be and you're doing it in the name of the Lord. Yes. 
but God has given us discernment which allows us to say, listen, Lord, is that what's going on here? Because listen, you can test the spirits. All right. All right. But we'll get to that. Religiosity is a lead spirit. When you think this is the way you got to do it, it's a spirit. And it leads ritualism and doctrinal obsession as spirits. I'll give you a few more. Pride is a head demon. And it leads with it insecurity, arrogance, vanity. Competition is also a lead demon, and that leads pride. Lust is a head demon that leads in sexual impurity and adultery. Homosexuality is a demon that leads lesbianism. You might be surprised to hear all of this. Now, I'm not saying y'all are bad people. I'm simply telling you what is. Fear is a head demon, and it leads terror, torment, fear of rejection, pain, being in the dark being alone, heights, all of these things. But remember, the Bible tells us that what? God has not given us a spirit of fear. fear. So the Bible is true. Just The problem is we don't always understand what the book is actually telling us. It ain't a spooky book. The book is very real. God knows what our thoughts are. He says, I know what you think. That's why your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. And if you want to be free from all of this stuff, then you need to find the Lord. So all of these demons come in clusters and they group up and it can be complex because sometimes when you're trying to deliver someone, you're not sure if you're dealing with a follower demon or a head demon. And sometimes these people, you've seen these movies where they're there, the power of Christ compels you and the priest is doing all of these things to try to cast out the demon and they're doing all of these things. But what I'm trying to tell you is that you could spend so much time dealing with the group demons that you may deliver or you deliver one. But the head, the root is still there. You'll see how this materializes in a moment when we get to the text. My brothers and my sisters, do not believe their lies. And again, not because you have an impure thought means you have a demon. It just means that you have an entry point that allows them to come and go and torment your mind. This is why the Apostle Paul tells us, and I'm trying to bring the whole scriptures together. This is why the Apostle Paul tells us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul is not trying to tell you nice scripture words. He's saying, listen, I'm giving you the blueprint and the formula to be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. When he's talking about the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, he talks about all the full armor. Paul is telling you how to withstand. Now, y'all don't get it. Y'all don't understand it. So I took the liberty of getting visual. So here's how this works. This diagram you're looking at represents you. The outer blue circle is where you can be influenced by demons. And there's a high probability that that's where most of us are being influenced by demons. And how do they influence you? They send these darts. Here comes one. Temptation. Temptation is an influence over you. You sometimes might not really, you know you don't need to be anywhere near drinking. Anywhere near drugs. Anywhere near certain behaviors. But every now and then, you feel like just dabbling. You're being tempted. And the Bible also reminds us again in the book of James that what? God tempts no one. 
So if you're being tempted by something, do understand that it's coming from something outside of you that believes that there is something in you that's inviting it in. Temptation is one way that you can be influenced. But there's another dart that influences. And that dart is deception. The Bible tells us that the devil, the enemy, comes to what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so, therefore, he does this by deception. I told you last week that what? The greatest trick of the devil is to let us believe that he does not exist. And the Bible even tells us that Satan parades around like what? As an angel of light. And even Peter tells us if it were possible, he could even fool the very elect of God. Why? Because he's a master deceiver. Did God really say that if you eat of that fruit, you will surely die? What did he do to Eve? All he did to Eve was to plant doubt. Eve said, he did say that. Well, God knows that in the day that you eat of the fruit, you shall not surely die. You shall be like God knowing the difference between good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit was beautiful and, want and desirable and want to make one wise. Now listen, the devil didn't make her do it. All he did was to bring temptation and deception and influenced God's good creation. But there's another level where you can be controlled. Now this is where people mostly talk about demon possession. Where you're being controlled by the devil. Now, how does that work? Well, it's possible for you to be controlled by the devil. Why? Because the devil will send, or his demons, will send another dart. And that dart is an accusation. The Bible tells us he's the accuser of the brethren. In other words, if, God, if, 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 if Satan can accuse you, all he has to do now is he can now control you. This is the reason why I say, parents, be careful what you say to your children. Sometimes you can say to your children, like I said before, you know, you're a good-for-nothing like so-and-so. And the child grows up believing that. Now, now, that's an accusation. And so every time the child does something that's not right as they're growing up, start to be, they, they just start accusing themselves. See, I knew I was a good-for-nothing. I knew I wouldn't amount to anything. I knew, I knew, I knew that I don't deserve to be. Listen, listen, you don't want to, listen, you don't need to go too far to see how the accuser has attacked the African-American community, making us think that we are in certain places that we, we just don't belong. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me when I was in corporate America, when I got promoted to a director, my, my senior vice president, an African-American man, brought me into his office. I'll never forget this as long as I live. And when I sat down, because I was now a director, I had a big job now, Cyril. I was big time now. And he brought me into the office and he said, listen to me, let's be very clear. No one gave this to you. You earned it. And when I heard those words and I walked out of that office, I felt empowered. Yeah. Life and death, the power of it is in the tongue. And when those in authority over you speak life over you and you believe it and you receive it, there is nothing that the accuser can tell you that's going to make you think otherwise, which is why the Bible tells us that you need to listen and to lean onto God's unchanging hand. What your father says about you, believe it. Believe what he says. You are an overcomer. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have to believe all of these things. And you see, why that's important is because the accusation can control you. Why? Because you are allowing it to do that. You need to know who you are. Finally, the question becomes, can you be owned by a demon? Now we're talking legal stuff. And here's my point, never. 
You can never be owned by a demon. Let me be clear. The Bible says you are created in the image of Almighty God. You can never be owned. You can believe you are, and that takes you on a whole different world, but you can never be owned by a demon. And why? Because the Bible says when Christ entered into your heart, hear me church, when Christ entered into your heart, he took up residence with the shield. He took up residence. And that residence is important for you to understand because what the Bible says is that you got darts, temptation, accusation, deception, but here's what the Bible says. No weapon. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Do you believe what I'm telling you? So, so, so here's the point. So the, the real point here is that it doesn't matter what you think you hear. What matters is what you believe. Which is why we said what? Just believe. Believe the gospel. Believe what Jesus said. Believe God. That's your defense. And he will fight your battle. He is who he says he is. But, but, but to take this a little bit further, and I know I'm watching the time. You harbor a lot of garbage in your souls. You struggle with the things that, you've, that happened to you from your child coming up. The things you've seen, the disappointments, the heartbreaks, all of these things have created in you a whole mess of things. But what you need to understand is all of those little rats that I was talking to you about, those little demons and their head rat, they are all really low-level demons. They are low levels. Listen, if you decide in your mind right now, in this moment, in this worship service, if you decide right now that... that, that you're not going to hold on to unforgiveness. It's gone. Gone. If you decide right now in this moment that I'm not going to resent the person because I think they did something to hurt me. If you decide right now, you're going to let it go. It's gone. Why? Because the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. These are the scriptures. So, so these low-level demons, they parade around like they got power, Johans. They, they walk around like, listen, I'm big man on campus, till you figure out who you are. Yes. Because once you start walking down this road and you say, well, hold up, wait a minute, let us put some groove in it. And you turn around and start going in the other direction, they're backing up. Because they're like, oh no, this one knows who they are. So there is the Low-level demons. But you also need to understand that there's the cosmic level work. This is where now the big boys, the big demons function and operate. You see, Satan is highly organized. And as I told you before, he's, an, he, 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 he's not omnipresent. So he can't be everywhere like God. So he sends his little low-level demons to do his dirty work. But he's an intelligent creature. He is smart. And so the Bible tells us that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that he also walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But what Jesus said, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Jesus' words. So again, Satan is, he, he sends now his low-level demons and what they do is mess with you while he and his bigger boys, his generals with him, they are infiltrating institutions. 
They are infiltrating government administrations. They are infiltrating communications media, Fox News. Did I say that out loud? They, they, they are infiltrating educational systems. They are infiltrating religious bodies and churches and denominations. Listen, they are in the AME church. Let's be clear. And they are at the highest level in the AME church. All right? We like to think that we are all that and we're good. But listen, they're in SDA. They are in Roman Catholicism. They are, listen, they're operating at a level that is popish. They are in city governments. And the tools that they use are money, fame, power, pleasure, science, art, politics, and religion. And Satan's three-point plan, listen, he's exposed today. His three-point plan is deception, dominion, and destruction. Now, how do I know, Pastor? You got to give me some Bible. How do I know that, Damon, that they operate on this level? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against what? Spiritual wickedness in high places so you know the word so I'm telling you that that's how he operates so there's a hierarchy of demons at various levels and sometimes we don't know who we are fighting because we're caught up fighting these low-level demons when the problem is much higher so it is here now that we must now revisit our text the text says then a demon possessed man now you have to remember everything that I told you before because now it's gonna put this in the proper perspective then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus and he healed him so that the mute man spoke and saw. Let me stop right there. I just told you that you can either be influenced or controlled. When you have control, when the demons have control, you start to see physical manifestations of their power. They cannot own you, but they can influence and they can control. And listen, Satan, listen, when you think you're trying to get to work at a certain time and your car can't start, trust me, it ain't always the car, it ain't always the alternator. I don't know if you heard what I just said. Sometimes you walk into your house and you're like, something is not right. Why? Because all of a sudden, now, you see things start to be out of kilter, out of whack. I'm not telling you anything to spook you out. I'm simply saying that the things that do not appear are greater than the things that do appear. And Satan will use anything and anyone to, mo to move you out of your purpose in God. So they brought this demon-possessed man who was blind and mute because he was being controlled by a demon. And the Bible says, and he healed him. I love that. It just says, and he healed, and he, sometimes you just need a, and Jesus did. <laughs> sometimes you just need a, and Jesus did, and ends it right there. So that the mute man spoke and saw. Now it gets really interesting. All the crowds were amazed and were saying, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man casts out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Let me stop right there again. Now, they called this one by name. Beelzebub. And what did they call him? They gave him a title. Did you see it? The ruler of what? So you know he's a head dog. You know he's a big dog. He's a lead demon. He's got followers with him. So they're saying, wait a second, he's leading, he, he's casting out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler. Now, nowhere in the text did it tell me how they knew that, but the fact of the matter is, is that they know enough to know that this ain't no normal 
low-level demon. In other words, they didn't say, oh, this deaf man is, 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 had these issues because he has unforgiveness in his heart or because he has lust or because he has suicidal... Oh, no, he has Beelzebub. Beelzebub is mentioned so many times in the Bible that we wonder sometimes if that is a synonym for Satan. But either which case, Jesus says, listen, listen. They say he cast out demons by Beelzebub. And Jesus, now knowing their hearts, said, listen, any kingdom divided against itself lays laid waste. And any city or house divided against itself will not stand. Watch this. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I, by Beelzebub, cast out demons, by whom do you... Now, let's be clear what Jesus is doing here and what he's saying. <laughs> you need to know that, listen, Jesus is saying some stuff here. Jesus is literally letting us know who he is. Jesus is not playing. Jesus says, if, wait a second, a kingdom against a kingdom can't stand. Jesus is talking king. Jesus has now moved to the cosmic level. Jesus is saying, a kingdom against a kingdom. When you talk about kingdoms, you're talking about rulership. And Jesus is saying, listen, if I cast out in the context of kingdom, he's telling you, listen, I have authority to talk about what I'm talking about. You see, <laughs> you see, Jesus is literally letting them know who he is. Why is that important? He has the, he has the authority to cast out demons on any level any level, and that he doesn't waste time with low-level imps. He goes after the lead demon, the head rat. Why? Because he said, look, jump down here. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man? In other words, you ain't going to walk up into, the, into somebody's house and just take over. Oh, no, 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 no. You got to go in with authority and bind up the president. Did I say that out loud? I said it out loud? Yeah. You got to go in and bind up the strong man yeah. at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah. Bind up the strong. Now, I'm not talking about Trump. No. Y'all need to hear what I'm saying. Trump is <laughs> being controlled by something greater than him, something that sits on top of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Something that is much stronger than him. You see, what happens is Trump doesn't have that shield that as, uh, allows him to, to, to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy, which is why we pray for him and say, Lord, send the Nathan that will go there, Lord, and to do what cannot, what needs to be done, send it. Because unless you humble yourself before a holy God, you are going to be tossed to and fro. Listen, what's your favorite Bible verse, President? All of them. Are you a New Testament or an Old Testament person? Well, I'm kind of both. But the Bible is a very special book. The Bible is a very special book. Out of the mouth of someone who claims to be a child of God, if someone were to ask you, what is the Bible? It's not a very special book. It is the Word of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of that of the Father. You need to know, this isn't no ordinary book. This is the Bible, the word of God, the same word that brought life, light into existence with one word. It is a sword of the Spirit. So we, we I, I, remember, I remember Dr. Turk used to say to me, listen, he said to me, I remember one time, I'll never forget, he says, God trusts you to handle him. When Thomas fell, fell at the knees of Jesus, and he says, 
before he even fell, he said, unless I put my finger in his side and in his palms, I will not believe. And Jesus said to Peter, to Thomas, here. In other words, I trust you to handle me. And so he fell to his knees and he said, my Lord and my God in total submission, unless you have that kind of reverence for the holy, believe me, you're going to constantly be tormented to and fro, not knowing who and whose you are. Jesus is letting them know without a shadow of a doubt that he has the authority and the power to bind up the head rat, the lead demon, the strong man, to cast him out, banish him to the pit of hell where he belongs, for his name is Jesus, and he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. He is that bright and morning star. He is the firstborn of creation. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And he is the light of life. And in him, there is no darkness at all. You need to know who Jesus is. He is a lion of the tribe of Judah. And he fights for you and for me. I can't fight all these battles on my own. I need my general. So the real question is not to ask, how do I know if I have a demon? How do I know if I have a demon? Stop asking that question. Demons are all over the place, bothering everybody. That's not the question to ask. The question to ask is, do I have Jesus? That's a mindset shift. Do I have Jesus? So, you get tormented by them. Again, I want to say, how do we get rid of them? And this is where I close. You got to know the difference between a foothold and a stronghold. The Bible talks about these things. Sometimes the little harassment that you're getting from demons are footholds. You did something that you shouldn't do. You feel a little sense of condemnation. And you walk around feeling guilty. That's a foothold. Because you do something bad every day. No matter how nice you think you are. You spoke to somebody and you said something you should not have said. And you feel bad about it. It's a foothold. That's all it is. But when it lingers long enough. When you won't let go of stuff then you fall into a different place where that foothold now becomes a stronghold. And when it becomes a stronghold, it's almost like, you know, it's like, um, I, th I love using analogies, and sometimes they just pop up in my head like they did just now. If I, if I crack that door open for a little bit, I may let one or two flies or mosquitoes in. I may let one or two. And one will jump on Nefty and she'll kill it. One will fly around and Yvette will get to it. But I left the door open. And the door starts to open a little bit more and more. And the door gets opened so wide that we're not just dealing with one mosquito or a fly. Now we're dealing with a swarm that has come in. The swarm, you will agree that if you go around trying to swat every single one, You're going to be here forever, 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 because they're swarming all over the place. So you got to close the door. 
Bring out the insecticide, the bug spray. And in one sweep, you get them all. This is what you need to understand about footholds and strongholds. If you don't know what you're dealing with, you are fighting harder than you need to. And again, some things you have the power and authority to already get rid of on your own. But when it becomes a stronghold, those are the times when you really need the Spirit of God. If you are the victim of a stronghold, this is where you try to quit something, but you just can't stop. This is where, no matter how hard you try, and you've prayed to Jesus, and prayed to God, and you've had the leaders of the church come around you, and they've done all the things, but you still feel bound. What you need to understand is that you have a stronghold. And when you have a stronghold, that's when you bring the dumb and the mute to Jesus. See, I'm not talking about just saying, okay, praying. No, I mean bring them to Jesus. Jesus is not a figment of our imagination. He is more real than everyone in this room. The problem is, do we have enough faith to call on his name? When you call him, the Bible says, those who come to him must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You need to know how to seek the Lord. And so I told you before, you got to be at the deliverance and healing service because we're going to show you, we're going to teach you how to go to the master. It's not just kneeling at the altar and praying, though that is effective, but you need faith. And all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed to say to this mountain, be ye moved. But many of us, we have the mustard seed, but we don't really know how to appropriate faith because faith without works is dead. That's what the Bible is telling us, brothers and sisters. It says without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Impossible. But there is nothing too hard for God. So no matter how low you may feel or how much you may feel like you're being influenced or controlled, brothers and my sisters, you need to really know who Jesus is. Demonic spirits hide in the dark. They hide. And when you come to Jesus, you need to know that no matter if you are dealing with something that you've been hanging around with you for years, it's something that's in the dark. Now, let me, let me, let me digress for one minute before we close. Whenever, hear me church, whenever, whenever you wake up in the morning and you, on a Sunday morning and you feel, you know, I'm just not going to church today. I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm talking about testing what's going on in your soul. Whenever you get to the place where you say, you know, I don't think I need to go to church today. You're not just satisfying your own heart's desire. What you are really doing, now hear me, church. I want you to hear my heart. What you're really doing is that you are, in a way, taking away from the work of the ministry. The church is not here just for you and your own satisfaction and your own desire to get your blessing from God. The church is here because with your faith and someone else's faith together we fortify the walls but you understand what I'm saying you're not coming here for you so when you stay home and then we have to just lean on Yvette and Vernita and I'm not casting dispersions because you don't feel like it today 
you are diminishing the ministry. And God has to fill in the gaps, which he will do. For upon this rock, he will build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. So either you want to be a part of what God is doing or you're going to be a spectator. Listen, I don't care how I feel. And I'm using me as an example. I don't care how I feel. You know I've been here, we've been here more than what? Seven years. And you can probably count on one hand when I'm not in this pulpit because I'm away somewhere else. But why? You've seen me broken come here into this pulpit. You've seen me can't even see in this pulpit. Why? Because I know that the work that God has for me is much greater than how I feel in the moment. I'm trying to get your faith to the place where you can stand up strong. You're not getting all that you want from God because you're not giving all that you have to God. I'm just saying. I ain't trying to beat anybody up. So, we may be demon oppressed at times. But we are always going to be Holy Spirit possessed. We may be demon oppressed at times, but we're always going to be Holy Spirit possessed. But to have Christ, you have to first come to him in repentance and believe in the truth of the gospel. For the Bible says it's only the truth that will make you free. When you talk about demon stuff, most of you, I'm telling you, most of you probably don't have demons bothering you in, well, I probably shouldn't say that. Yeah, a lot of you got demons bothering you. <laughs> a lot of you got demons bothering you. But they're probably not bothering you as much as you think. When I sit with a person, I have to die, just like you go to every doctor, they have to diagnose the problem before they start to administer the cure, right? Every person. The doctor asks you a series of questions to find out what the symptoms are. No different than a preacher or a pastor who knows deliverance work. But I have to look for two things that I'm seeking to find. Is there a lie that the person believes or is there sin in their life? I have to make a diagnosis between either of the two. Because if it's a lie that the person believes, I can tell you all the Jesus you want to hear. It's not going to make a difference in that sense. Why? Because it's a lie that you believe. So if there's a lie that you believe, the only thing that, that, that will dispel a lie is the truth. So if you believe that you're alone, I have to give you the truth of what Jesus said, which is what? I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I have to tell you the truth. If you believe that you are weak and broken, I have to tell you that greater is he that is in you than he. I have to give you the word of God, which is the truth, if I diagnose that your issue is believing a lie. Many of us walk around believe lies about ourselves. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I can't serve in this capacity. I don't have this. I don't. You talk yourselves out of everything that God has already placed in your heart because there's a lie that you believe. And most of us in our community walk around with low self-esteem because we believe a lie that someone told us. That's one side of it. But if I diagnose that there is sin that you're dealing with, if your condition is sin, I can tell you all the truths about your life. It won't make a difference. Because the only thing that can deal with sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when I determine if it's dealing with a lie, I bring the truth. If it's sin, I bring the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is the charge and the role 
of deliverance ministry. So we want you to have understanding that most of the times you're not dealing with sin sometimes. It's just a lie that you believe, but you can check for yourself. And so as we prepare for all of what God has in store for us, let me read you one scripture. Whether you have brought in demons in your heart by invitation, authority figures, generational curses, inherit whatever it is, here's what you need to know. Listen carefully to the word of the scriptures. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Listen to me in your spirits. Say to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental, the low level, the basic spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Hear the text. He is the head over every power and authority. This is the book of Colossians, second chapter. Then the 13th verse says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, Here's the power. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Remember I told you demons had a legal right. He canceled the legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So Jesus said, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And whom the Son sets free is free. Indeed. So I went through all of that, my brothers and my sisters, to make this point that all of this stuff, whether it's confusing to you or not, doesn't matter as long as you have Christ in you. That is where the buck stops. And I will serve him till the day that I die for he protects my family much better than I can. And I trust him more than I trust me. So what I want to do with this church is not just to let you keep being dependent upon the prayers of the pastor, but that when you walk out of here, you walk with the knowledge that you have an authority, that Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of God the Father, and from thence he shall come and judge the quick 
and the dead. He has given all authority unto you to trample on serpents and scorpions. The question is, do you believe?